The team at Weight Inclusive Innovators is going to Mexico City and you're invited. There's something magical about getting out of the day-to-day routine. It's even better when you pack your bags, hop on a flight, and land in a new city. From August 20th to 25th, join us as we settle into our apartments in the neighborhood of La Condesa, visit all the local coffee shops that Mexico City has to offer, and dedicate time to work on our businesses. This means a whole work week to brainstorm your business's future, set goals for the next year, and get caught up on all those admin tasks that keep getting pushed to the wayside. And you didn't think we'd be all work and no play, did you? Well, our primary goal is to dedicate time to work on the biz and give ourselves space to dream and scheme. We can't go to Mexico City and not experience the vibrant culture that it has to offer. That's why we've planned a night of salsa lessons at Mamba Roomba and a cooking class from local culinary experts. Early bird registration is now open for our Mexico City trip. Spots are limited and you do not want to miss out on this amazing opportunity. Come hang out with us, work on your Spanish, and work on your business in person in Morgan's favorite city. Head on over to weightinclusiveinnovators.com slash Mexico City 2023 to sign up or click the link in the show notes. Welcome to the Weight Inclusive Innovators podcast. My name's Hannah Turnbull. And I'm Morgan Sinclair. We're two non-diet dietitians, entrepreneurs, and Enneagram 7s here to talk shop about the business side of things. From managing a team of clinicians to building a cohesive brand to figuring out how the heck to pay yourself, we get deep down in it, talking about what it actually takes to start, run, and grow your weight-inclusive business, the good and the messy. We know your degree didn't include any business classes, at least not any applicable to what you're doing now as an entrepreneur. This is why we're on a mission to bring business education to other weight-inclusive clinicians. Say sayonara to all the hours spent on Google and hello to information that is actually relevant. Let's dive into today's episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. This week, we are chatting about what to do when your business offer totally freaking flops. Yes, when, not if, because it's going to happen if you're trying new things. Before we dive into today's episode, we are going to do a check-in with Morgan. Hello, Morgan. Hello, Hannah. I love that you always do a dance as I'm like, hello, Morgan. I know people can't see it, but that's what you do. You kind of sway. It's <laughs> do awesome. I do that all the time? Yes. It's so good. It's so good. And do a little happy dance. Yes. <laughs> so happy well, this to be is, here. It's always a highlight of our week to record the pod. So always. tell us about your business highs and lows. Well, for the fourth week in a row, I guess technically we didn't do highs and lows last week. And I, we had a guest episode before that. But if you would have asked me my highs for the last few weeks, it would have been the same. I talked about it a couple of weeks ago. My high is my website template that I'm doing beta testing right now for. And I know people are probably like super annoyed that I keep talking about these. And they're like, Morgan, just shut up about your templates. We know you're building templates. I promise this is not me trying to market the templates. This is truly the high. I am writing the high of these website templates and there's new things that happen every week. So first it was the high of actually launching them. Then it was the high of getting people to sign up. Then it was the high of recording the videos. And someone emailed me yesterday that they published their template and I got to go check out their, so I take it back. They published their coming soon page, which is included in the template and told me that they've already had one inquiry on their coming soon page. What? I know. It feels wild. And I was like, okay, if that's not like a sign from the universe that this is like moving in the right direction and people are getting the results and the inquiries that I desire for every weight inclusive clinician to have, 
it feels so good. That's very awesome. I'm going to speak on behalf of everybody listening to the podcast and say no one thinks that it's weird that you keep talking about the website (laughs) templates. Everybody's super excited for you. Um, Keep talking about them. I don't plan on uh, stopping talking about them anytime soon because we're just in the beginning with the beta launching of the one template. And then I'm going to continue to build that out to be multi-page template and launch a few others as well. So we'll continue to ride this high. We love a new project. I am absolutely loving it. My low of the week is that this week is just a little bit of a longer week than I am used to. I actually started working on Sunday because I knew I was going to be busy yesterday, which was Wednesday, today, and tomorrow because I'm doing some behind-the-scenes support for the BIPOC Eating Disorders Conference, which I am so excited about. But just because I'm doing support with them doesn't mean that the business stops running. And so I've had to do a little bit of extra prep work to get all my ducks in a row for that. And then also just like, you know, if you've been listening for a while, Wednesdays are usually my flex days. I usually like don't do a ton of work on Wednesdays. And so just having to be on for that, uh, is just a little more energy than I'm used to expending, but such is life. I'm very, very excited to be at the conference and learning and all of that. So it makes it worth it. Yay. We should republish our interview with Angela and Whitney about the BIPOC eating disorder conference soon to remind people like where they've come from and all the good stuff that they're doing. Um, I'm tuning into the conference when I can as well. And it's always got a whole host of amazing speakers and interesting perspectives and just things we can all learn from. So it's very cool. Talk about a, not a flop. What were your highs and lows of the week? Well, my high is, and I should have gave this disclaimer in the beginning. Sorry if our sound is different this week. I did not bring my mic. I'm in the van. That's my freaking high. I'm on the road with my partner, our dogs in a 20 foot van. And we are, we went up to Wyoming. We went to Tensleep to go climb. We're in the Tetons today. We're going to go to Yellowstone in the next couple of days. And then we're going to go to Jackson Hole and we're going to go to Bozeman. And then we're going back to Tensleep and then back to Denver. So we are on a two week van trip, which is freaking awesome. It is so crazy to be sitting in the van recording the podcast, been working, you know, pretty normal this week and then doing fun things before and after work. Um, so I just feel like I'm, I'm leaning into building the life that I want and it feels really freaking cool. So it's my high. And I saw a fucking bear. I saw a bear this morning. We went on a hike in the Tetons before work and I finally got to see a bear. I've lived in Colorado for five and a half fucking years and I still haven't seen a bear until today. That's crazy. I'm surprised it took that long. I know. I feel like, I'm literally. Yeah. I'm like rarely ever in nature like that. And I think like the, there's been two hiking trips that I've gone on and I've seen bears both times. I've been on more than two hiking trips, two of the hiking trips that I've been on. I've seen. Yeah. Okay. I'm cursed. I think I'm just cursed. One but was in Colorado now. and one when did was you hike in, in Colorado. August of 2020. Uh, me and a friend drove up to Grand Lakes. And Fun. like rented a place, which is right next to the entrance of Rocky Mountain National Park. And so we went and hiked. Was it a bear? Might have been a moose. I think it was a bear. And I for sure have seen a bear when I was in Canada. Amazing. I hope this is the first of many. It was a small bear. And it was funny because we were walking down the path and we could see everybody with their bear spray out. And my partner was like, 
everybody has their bear spray. I'm going to get ours out. And as he was saying that, I was like, there's a bear. There's a bear. And I just Crazy. point at it very calm, just like bear. Because <laughs> I don't know how else you're supposed to respond. Um, but it was very small and cute. And it's just, I that's my that's my high of this. Week. I love Not that. related to business. I saw a bear. You saw a bear. The low is also that I'm in the van and I'm feeling a lot of FOMO. Um, we're on the road for two weeks. So it's a little bit mitigated of like, okay, we do have time to like go do things. But when I'm out in nature, it's really hard to have the desire to want to work. When I was first thinking about this, I was going to say like, I'm having low motivation to work, but that's not true. Like I love working and I feel like I'm a highly motivated person when it comes to business entrepreneurship. So it's like the desire right now. I'm like, uh, I desire to be stinky and in my van and playing outside and playing unstable unicorns in the van and like just living my best life. So that's making work a little bit challenging this week, but I'm still getting it done because that's what we do. We still have to do work. And I'm also covered in mosquitoes. We had like 40 in the van last night because we took a shower with the back door open and they all flooded in. So we had like a, a massacre episode of getting rid of the mosquitoes and they still bit us while we were sleeping. So that sounds like my worst fucking nightmare. It is the unsexy part of van life. I don't think I'd be cut out for van life if that's what it is. I fucking hate mosquitoes and mosquitoes love me. So I'm like, yep. nope, 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 yep. nope, nope. <laughs> Same. If I counted all the mosquito bites on my body right now, I'd say there's at least 25. Oh, and no, so thank you. we will be getting, we have a mosquito net on our side fan it like slides open and mm-hmm. the opening at the back we're getting a mosquito net we decided Smart. and we're also getting like every device possible we can to detect detract detract bugs detract. repel yeah that's the word repel okay <laughs> i have one of those it looks like a small little racket like a tennis racket but it's electric so you like turn it on and then you can just like swat away and it oh. all the bugs around you so i would highly recommend that too what is unstable unicorns? Um, it's like exploding kittens. It's like the sister game to that. It's a card game. Okay. It's very fun. Oh, okay. Yes. I've heard of exploding kittens. I've never played it though. So I don't really know the concept. I'll have to look it up. I love a good card game. Yes. Yes, I know you do. Side oh, that's note. right. Because we brought them. We finally yes, bring them when I we was, travel. I was thinking in Mexico City on our retreat, we should play board games one night. So 100%. put a pin in that for you now. Know. You know, I am always game to bring Dutch Blitz and yes, on. Yes. I think I've brought those on both of our trips. Yes. And it was very wow. fun. And we know other games. Anyway, I'm distracting us now. Um, those are my highs and lows all around the van. And I'm getting work done. I'm watching the BIPOC eating disorder conference as I can. Um, huge fan of that. Awesome. And that's where I'm at this week. Love it. You ready to dive into today's episode? Let's do it. So we're talking about flops today on the pod. Yes, and we are. <laughs> this topic came up because I announced yesterday that I am canceling my Italy trip this year due to not enough folks signing up for it to make sense for me and the biz. It has been a huge learning curve. This is, uh, this would have only been my second trip that I'm hosting. Um, yeah, I've just learned a lot from it. I, and I think the biggest takeaway is that I like to purchase things very impulsively, primarily trips. 
And I think I am in the minority of that, that uh, a lot of folks that have been interested in the eating expeditions, because it's like, there's so many people that have been interested and everyone's like, this is such a good idea. This is so awesome. Keep doing this. This rocks. And then very few people actually like follow through with it. And it's not, I've learned this. It's not because it's not a good idea. It's because people need more than eight months to budget and plan for an international, almost two week long trip. That's so true because from a cost perspective, you know, with flights and then with the trip, it's probably what between six and $9,000 for all of that. Everything that they really would spend, including your trip, maybe a little bit less, but I like, I like to overestimate and then be pleasantly surprised. I know. That's, that's my money mindset. Um, so yeah, it, yeah, it takes people time to been, save up for that, but yeah, this trip would have been closer to probably around 5,000 with cost of trip plus flights. Um, but still like $5,000 is not a small chunk of change, especially if you are not just signing up yourself. If it's like you and a partner and like y'all might share finances, like that's the decision you're making together. And like that can add up. Anyway, I've learned a lot about this and I, I've actually surprised myself that like, while it was a hard decision to make and one that just kind of sucked because it's like, oh, everyone's going to know that I like quote unquote failed because I'm going to have to announce this because I've been Mm. talking about it for so much. It honestly hasn't hit me as hard as I thought it would. And I think there's a couple reasons for that. I think the fact that I did one last year and it was successful and I have really awesome photos and videos to prove that there's already, I'm like, oh, I already had, I already have one under my belt. And so, you know, if I'm looking at this from like a people are judging me perspective, like I already know I can do it and they know I can do it. I've already done it before. I think if this would have happened last year, I would have had a lot more guilt and shame but yeah, this year it just, it was, I, I feel like I was able to separate myself from the business a little bit more and it not be like a, what is this saying about me, but more so like, what are key takeaways that I can have from this experience and it not be a reflection of like my ability to execute something, which has been Oof. lovely. I'm like, wow, therapy this last year actually has gone really well. I appreciate the transparency so much. And then also like you going deeper to be like, these are the feelings that could have been coming up and some of them are, and this is, this is real. And, you know, I was thinking about the part where you were talking about potentially like people judging you and when people judge, that's more of a reflection of them than you. I just, I don't know. I commend you and this is going to happen and you're figuring it out and okay, this is a flop. So what? Right. And so, and you know, this is my most recent literally happened in the last couple of weeks. I announced it publicly to everyone yesterday from when we're recording this. And this is not a unique experience to me. You and I have had so many things flop. But before we dive into like what those are and like how we've dealt with them and what to do, whenever we say flop, you and I I mean, I think, you know, you can kind of get the general sense of like what a flop is, but just based on our business models too, I think we have kind of different definitions depending on the type of offer it is. So what does flopping mean to you? Like what has a flop looks like for you? Yeah. Yeah. If I'm thinking of general terms of what a flop is, 
it's, it's something that didn't work out or something where there was an expectation and then the expectation wasn't met. And I know that all kind of seems like ominous or like vague, but we'll give some examples of flops, but it's really trying to make something happen and then it not happening. Cause that can be in business. That can be in a relationship that can be a goal you had for yourself. Um, and I know yours is a little bit more specific. So tell us like, when you think of a flop, what does that look like? So when I was reflecting on what a flop is, one of the things that I'd actually written down was setting a goal and not a hundred percent meeting that goal. But I don't think that's a flop. Nope. I, I think, agree. I mean, it could, if you were like, I have to have a certain number of people to sign up, or I have to have a certain number of downloads or something like that in order to like survive, but not even then, like that's, I, I wouldn't consider that a flop. I would consider a flop kind of just based on like my personal experience with like business in the online space and the eating expedition, things like that. The two things that came to mind for me were setting a goal number of attendees or downloads and having zero people sign up or download that product or service or whatever it is. And then having a certain number of signups that you wanted and not meeting that. And that's like the eating expedition where like, it doesn't make sense financially Mm. to continue with this offering if I don't hit a certain threshold. So like, it's a little different where it's like, oh, like, and I'm going to use like our workshop, for example, that we hosted in the fall. We're like, oh, we're hosting this business workshop. We would love, what did we say? 15 people to sign up. And we got 12, 10? Yep, yep 10 or 12. Like that. Mm-hmm. 10 or 12. We were going to have the workshop regardless, even if one person showed up, right? And so like us doing this workshop was not dependent upon having, like we have to hit 10 people or 15 people in order for this to happen. For something like the eating expedition, there are a lot more costs associated, like hosting a trip, there's a lot more costs associated with it. And so for that, it was like, I needed a certain number of people to sign up so I could pay the people that I needed to pay, get my expenses covered because it wouldn't make sense to host a trip where I also had to pay for everything and pay a photographer um, and then like split the cost of like the private shuttle, the hotel rooms, like all of that across the number of people that I know. And so those were like my two, I'm going to say definitions of a flop, but those are my definitions because those are my experiences with like webinars and launching things. I think that's a really good distinction of like, what's an actual flop, meaning the thing can't happen versus, okay, not as many people came to this as I wanted. And so that's fine. I'm still going to do it because I'm learning. I want to practice giving this webinar, et cetera. Like they Mm -hmm. are two different things and it's okay if like that's considered a flop too. Um, But it's almost like the flop part is the preemptive, like I need these signups and if they don't happen, then the thing can't happen. One of the flops that I think about, which again, it's hard because I don't know if it's actually a flop, but I've talked about how I used to do nourish your knowledge on the podcast before when we were talking about business failures that we've had and nourish your knowledge was the course that I co-hosted about 
learning about health at every size, intuitive eating, and how it applies to different parts of dietetics. And we didn't have the resources or the energy to keep up with it. And so it kind of fizzled out. I think at one point we had like two people signed up. And so I consider that a flop because we didn't help it grow. And eventually it didn't make sense for us to put our energy resources, finances into it anymore because we didn't have the desire to do it either. So there's a lot of different that's, pieces that caught, that made it hard, a flop for me. That's a hard distinction of like, was it a flop because you gave it your all and then it kind of, it didn't meet that criteria or cause like I, that's, that's tough because I'm thinking of things that like I've done and I was like, okay, well I didn't give it my all. And I also yep. self-reflected and realized that like, it wasn't like, that's not something that I wanted to continue to do anyway. Yes. yes. And I don't yes, know if I consider a that a flop. That's hard. That's why I think a flop is so individualized too. Cause like mm. nourish your knowledge was a flop for us because we no mm-hmm. longer wanted to put the work in and we weren't willing to pivot or change or give it our all someone mm-hmm. else. And I'm sure there are people doing similar things that are not flopping to where they're serving this population. And that's awesome. But for me, it was a flop. Like what I was offering was because I didn't want to put the effort in anymore. Um, I wasn't willing to ride the wave of entrepreneurship where it's like you go into a low and a lull where you have to figure out what your audience wants, how to market, et cetera. And then you can kind of have an upturn, but I wasn't willing to wait that out, nor did I have the desire Mm. to. When I'm thinking about other flops, and again, every flop is so different. Like we tried to launch meal support groups at Nourished and in that time we didn't have enough resources and marketing and things and we needed to focus on the one-on-one. So that flop because we put it out there, we did a little bit of marketing and didn't have anybody sign up. So we just kind of put that on the back burner and that was a flop in a way because it never happened, you know? Um, and then there's also the flop that we all experience if you're in a private practice or doing some kind of coaching is when people don't work out, like either, you know, they didn't sign up for your services or you had a couple sessions with somebody and then they fell off. Like, that could be considered a flop for someone too, which is a normal part of growing a business, finding the people that work well with you, people who are committed, people who don't have other barriers in their life and can do the work. So flops are very individualized and in different parts of this entrepreneurial journey. I was talking to a former coworker and uh, we were, I don't even remember what context it was in, but she shared this phrase with me that I go back to all the time. And that is bad days make good data. Like what not to do? Whenever, whenever you have an offer flop, I would consider that a like quote unquote bad day. I'll use Italy as an example. It sucked. It, It sucked in the sense of like having to make those decisions is hard because I did have a couple people sign up for this trip. I had to cancel it. I had to email them and let them know. I had a photographer that was ready to go. I had to email her or like actually called, was talking to her on the phone. And I was like, this might not happen. I'm so sorry. Like she had booked out her whole travel schedule around expecting to be in Italy. And so it definitely felt like letting some people down. And so like those bad days allowed me to turn inward, reflect of like, why is this happening? What's going on? And then getting to talk to people around me and like asking the questions of 
not that I like asked this outright directly, but like, I was like, okay, but like, why not this year? And getting to kind of reflect on that of like, what are their barriers of being able to commit this year, which I've already talked about. And so the bad days of like having to cancel the trip have led me to good data by processing the why behind like why I had to cancel the trip or, you know, you can put that into whatever thing that has flopped for you. Mm, I love that. I love that. It makes you pause. It causes a pause to think about what am I doing? What am I getting right? What am I getting wrong? What do I need to consider? Like, am I actually serving people in the way that I'm hoping? Um, what do people want? Like what's going to make this happen? And it's very mm-hmm. vulnerable to be in that place too. Like all of this is to admit there's a flop and to talk about it and to say like, to ask people why they're not coming. Um, and I think it's okay to be direct too. Like, I know you say you're not being exactly that direct, but I think you should because good people around you will be honest, you know? That's true. A lot of these people I'm meeting for the first time. So I feel a little, <laughs> feel a little awkward about that. But yeah, no, I mean, the people that I like have good relationships with, like I'm, I'm good with that. I will say I have had so many flops happen in my, how long have I been an entrepreneur now? Six or seven years of being an entrepreneur. I have had so many flops. Like I have my like post flop process (laughs) down to a T and I'm curious, I'm going to run through mine and then I'm curious how yours, how you usually like go through the flow of like what happens when your offer flops. Amazing. I can start mine because I don't have one. (laughs) I just, I'm just like, oh, okay. Well, and I'm probably because I'm busy doing 10,000 other things. Like, yeah, it just ain't that deep for me. (laughs) And I, I mean, I've been very consistent for a while. So it also might just be like short-term loss of memory, ADHD style of, I don't remember what it, what it felt like. Um, Mm. but that's not true. Cause like, for example, when I said like, if employees don't work out or people, clients that you're seeing don't work out. Um, I think it is just the like acceptance, grief process going through that. But then I'm usually preoccupied by many other things. So mm. I don't recommend my, my style. I'll let you know next time there's a big flop. Cause I'm sure there's one coming. I'm due. I'm due for a flop. You're due for one. You're waiting. And you're due for the other shoe to drop. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. So tell us about your flop. Okay. Your flop process. So the first time that I had, well, the first time that I had a flop happen that I like actually remember was whenever I was determined to show up on social media consistently. And I thought I'd been doing a really good job. And I was like, people just so want to hear what I have to say about this one topic. So let me put together a whole webinar on it and get people to show up. And no one signed up for it, which was First and foremost, very humbling. Yeah. <laughs> but it was in that moment that it was like the hour that the webinar was supposed to be happening. I used that instead to be like, what's wrong with me? What did I do wrong? Why is this happening? Mm-hmm. And then ever since then, I've like continued to fine tooth this process of like being able to go through. And so step number one for me is to cry because there is usually a lot of emotion tied to it. And so getting to have that release of crying and then usually journaling in there too, or texting a friend or calling a friend, being able to process it through with someone else is usually very helpful for me. And then I hate this phrase, but this is what I do. So I'm just going to tell it like it is. (laughs) I pick myself up by my bootstraps and continue to show up. 
because just because something bad happened um, or not even bad happened, just because something flopped and you uh, might be a little embarrassed because you're like, do I tell people like, it's like, do I pretend that it was like really awesome and like record something really quick and be like, you can catch the replay here. I have done that before. I don't really recommend that. <laughs> it's like a it feels it like not. It. Yeah. it feels not genuine. Yeah, no, it wasn't. But if that's honestly, if that's what you have to do to get through it, yeah, I've done it before. Do it. it helped my ego and it got me back to where I needed to be mentally. So you do you, but continue to show up. I have learned that I just have to name it. Like I have to get it out there and be like, sorry, didn't happen. I will say with this Italy trip, I went back and forth with Kendall, my copywriter, a couple of times on like the best way to tell people that like the trip wasn't happening and what we landed on, which you responded to that email and you're like, this email's so great. And I was like, thanks, Kendall wrote it, but just naming it of like, not, not in like a sob story of like, woe is me, poor me, this sucks, but more so like. Hey, I'm always learning. I've never done this before. I've never had to make these types of decisions before. And this is what I learned from it. And so don't ghost your audience. Don't ghost your social media audience. Don't ghost your email audience. Like communicate with what happened and continue to like show back up. I also usually end up doing a little like pro con list reset to my values. If it feels that deep, sometimes it's not that deep, but if it is, and then like I mentioned with like bad days, make good data of getting to the bottom of it, of like being a problem solver and figuring out why. And I know you've had experience with this and I know this is something that you do too. And so I'd want to hear your thoughts on the finding your why when something flops. Yes. Yes. It's, it's kind of a different why than what we usually talk about with like, find your why Simon Sinek work of like being values aligned. Um, it's more of finding the why of why did this flop? And so, you know, I do a lot of coaching around this as well in many different contexts, but when somebody has an offer, whether they're trying to launch a course, a webinar, trying to hire an employee that didn't work out, um, trying to grow a group and it's really fucking hard and their expectations aren't being met. Um, there's a lot of reflection that comes in there. And one of like, there's many questions that I ask and it really depends on the context, but one common theme that I see is people want to have a course, have a webinar, just thinking of things that flop in our space and they, they do it because they want to versus what the audience actually wants. And so that's one thing that I think about is like, is what you're offering, what people want. And if not, what needs to switch? Um, And if it is something people want, maybe something went wrong with marketing, what's going on there? Um, So that's like one of the biggest questions is, is what you're offering what you want to offer because you like to talk about it? Or is it people and people don't actually want it or they don't know that they want it because it needs to be explained in a certain way? Just a lot of the why, like digging deeper. And maybe that goes into the like processing part of like, what happened here? Like, why aren't people signing up for this? It all ties into that why to dig deep into the actual that, logistical businessy why, not the why of that we process our on our own. Yeah. Right. That is such, both of those questions are so powerful. Is this something that you wanted to do because it's a topic you like to talk about? 
Or is this something that your audience actually needs? I love Mm. this because I have worked with so many people who are on the, like, I want to make passive income so I don't have to work as much boat and like been there, still kind of there, but I fine tuned what I'm working on for the passive income. But I see it all the time with, with, yeah, with courses, with workshops, with things like that. And I think for a while people see those kinds of things as like a ticket to a little bit more freedom, which like, of Mm. course you're going to chase, chase that. Like that sounds awesome, but it does tend to be what people want to talk about because that's what they're comfortable with. And that they're missing that market research piece of where is there a gap in the market of things that my specific target audience wants to know more about. And it might not be the thing that you like talking the most about. Yes. Ugh. I feel like the flops that hurt the most are the ones that are maybe tied to your own why that's not considering like the audience and the actual work. So in that example of like doing webinars, building courses and things, because you want to have passive income, it, it, for me, it feels worse to flop because there's not the same like values connection of, I know people want this. There's a need for this. It's a, I'm putting all my eggs in a basket here and hoping that this works out and I can build an audience for this thing. So I can like X, Y, Z, live this life, have this mm-hmm. passive income. And I just want to name that because that's what I see. That's what I see. And I've been there. Like I get that too, especially whenever I first heard about passive income a couple years ago, like that, that can be a feasible thing. Like I tried so many different ways to make that sustainable, hoping that one of them would like launch me into success or like, I wouldn't have to work a day in my life with passive income, which is also bullshit. I've learned Uh. that now. So icky language around that. But that was like, that was like what everyone was talking about. Make money while you sleep. And I was like, what do I need to do in order to get me there? Because that's what I want. And it, it was it fully what I wanted and not doing an accurate enough reflection of the audience that I was interacting with. And that followed me and what information they wanted. This is a tangent, a side tangent. It's going to be short. Has nothing to do with flops. But the only passive income that I think really works while you sleep is investing. That's yeah. it. There we go. And you have to be able to tolerate the bear market and the bull market and all of that. So I agree. Wholeheartedly yep. agree. We're just here to normalize flops. Flops are going to happen. Any big companies that you see have flopped and you just don't know it because either they're very established. They've been doing this for decades. They've probably gotten close to bankruptcy before and then back or had new owners. Like there's so many things that have happened in people's businesses that you will not see in the day to day where they flopped. And the difference between flopping and staying in a flop versus persevering is figuring out what your audience wants, what the market says, pivoting, putting resources and energy into things and figuring it out. Like you have to flop. Yes. I have a hot take. I feel like you're not putting yourself out there enough as an entrepreneur. If you've never had a flop before. Oh, that's the best hot take I've ever agreed. And I think that's why I haven't had a flop recently because I'm in my comfort zone. Like the things I'm doing (laughs) They have their own level of uncomfy, but they're not risky mm-hmm. in a sense of they're not flopping. They're not floppy stuff because they're not new to me. So yeah. I was, thank you for saying that. Cause I, I wanted to make sure I said that too, of like, that's why I haven't had a flop in a while, because what I'm doing, I've been doing for three to five years and I've already had some flops along the way. And now I'm like, I'm still a little floppy, but it's not, it's not flopping. 
So if we can leave you with anything, flops are normal, take the risk, have flops, bad days make good data, and then figure out your process to work through it and continue to show up. Thanks for listening to the Weight Inclusive Innovators podcast. If you like what you hear, subscribe to our podcast to add us to your queue every week. Please leave us a rating and review and share with a friend to help us reach more weight inclusive business owners who could use support and pep talks. And we still have a couple spots left for our Mexico City trip. Be impulsive. Come on this trip. It's going to change your life. You're going to get so much done. We are happy to process through some flops with you while we are drinking our $2 cappuccinos and eating some of the best tacos of your life. Mexico City will not be a flop. We'll see you next week. Bye.